Take your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11 is where we'll be this evening. And I'm going to do my best to get through about verse number 14 tonight. And um, let's go ahead and read the text and introduce it to us this evening. Chapter 11, verse 1, down through verse number 14. There was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven and that it rain not in the days of of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all the plagues, as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and, and and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the graves. And they they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. They heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted, and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe was past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly." Well, this is our text this evening as we continue our study through um, the end times. And again, let me just quickly review if this is your first time here this evening or uh, just to get us all back on the same page. We've been looking at the end times in a chronological view. Uh, We've studied the church age. Uh, We then entered into the rapture and... um, Uh, studied that, the judgment seat of Christ, and now for some time we've been in the book of Revelation uh, as we've been studying the tribulation period. And uh, thus far we have considered uh, these tribulation judgments, the seal judgments, um, the trumpet judgments, and we're going to be getting into the vile judgments. Tonight we will conclude or we'll see, at least read where the seventh angel will Uh, sound his judgment. I had another slide. I must have got the wrong uh, set of slides this evening. But again, showing you that we're in the middle of this tribulation period here of where we've studied thus far. And um, 
we're midway through this three, uh, this seven-year period. And um, it was interesting, last, after last week's study, I had someone contact me, texted me, and said um, it would be something if we could have some pictures, some artwork of some of these, these events that are described in the book of Revelation. And asked if I knew of anything, and I asked around, and I didn't, no one really knew of anything in particular, but if you ever Googled any of those things, like you may say the events of Revelation 8, or uh, some of the vile judgments, or the trumpet judgments, there will be plenty of things that would come up on your, on your Google search. In fact, I did order a, uh, a series of uh, artwork from a man that put some out some years ago, Revelations in Art, he's called it, or something like that, although... It's not very pleasant to look at. And uh, I, I'll probably share some of them with you at some point. Probably next week we'll start looking at some of them. But they're not beautiful. They, they certainly don't appease you when you look at them. You know, for instance, back when in chapter number 9, uh, we saw, uh, look at ver- chapter number 9, verse number 2, when he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit. The smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And upon them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither green things, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. So here are these demonic creatures released from this bottomless pit. And to put that in art form, although it may give us a picture of that, it shows us once again the horror of the tribulation period. How difficult and how horrific of an event uh, this is that will take place one day. Now again, as we look at our overall timeline, uh, we praise the Lord that we're in that church age right now. We're in this age where God is, is, is openly and freely offering the gift of salvation. And, and today is the day of salvation. And we encourage you, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, to receive him by faith. What Jesus did for you through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And if you do, and you die in this time, just like Vic Marseille the other day, Vic took his last breath here, and he took his first breath in heaven the moment later. Uh, he was one, one moment here absent, or, uh, excuse me, in the body, and then the next moment absent from the body and present with the Lord. We have that assurance. Or we may be a part of those select few that never would experience death, only experience the rapture. As I mentioned, I've put my name in for that list. I, I, I'd like to get elected for that list. That would be, that'd be great, wouldn't it? To not experience death and to be raptured out of here. But if you don't know Christ, you will enter into this tribulation period and go through these judgments. And as I said, we've already ex- talked about the sealed judgments. We'll wrap up the trumpet judgments this evening. Now, last week we, were, we covered chapter number 10. I want to remind you that chapters 10, 11, and 12, although three different chapters, is one vision that John had. John chapter 10, verse number 1. 
and I saw. Here, and it's going to be a lengthy period of time of some things that John experienced there or that he was able to envision as the Lord showed him these things uh, uh, from his heavenly view. Now, the book of Revelation, I was, as I was studying for this week, I came across some thoughts, and, and I hope I can explain it to you sufficiently, and I apologize in advance if I'm not able to, but the book of Revelation is written overall, I would not say completely, but overall in a very systematic, chronological way, one, two, three, A, B, C. But there are portions where it's not necessarily systematic, but it's more circular, it's more where, let me share with you some things in and around this, and, and maybe some things overlap. And I think that's where we're at in 10, 11, and 12. There's, there's some things that he is circulating here, and it doesn't necessarily flow in that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 method there, but it's more of, let me tell you some things that are going to happen, especially as we get into chapter 12. We're reading some things, and you're going to say, where am I in this timeline? What's going on? And, and so we're in the kind of this parentheses time here as he gives us more light about what's going on in this systematic approach here. And so we're in a time of a, a, a lengthy section here. We just got done talking last week about the mighty angel in chapter number 10. Gave you several thoughts of who that mighty angel may or may not be and, and, and led us to believe that it's probably the Lord Jesus Christ. And then that mighty angel had a little book in his hand that John was to take and to, to consume. And it was sweet to the taste, but it brought bitterness to his belly. And no doubt, we believe that was referring to the Word of God. And now as we get into chapter number 11, as, as I've been studying for this, um, and really... Uh, the whole book of Revelation is, is not an easy study. There's, there, there's things to overcome and to try to figure out and to truly lean on the Lord. But I was reading uh, uh, some folks and, and several made mention of the difficulties of chapter number 11. And I don't know if I agreed with that or not. Uh, I don't know that I found it the, maybe the most difficult of the chapters, but some do or some claim it to. But I think maybe where they do fall into some struggles with this is that they try to spiritualize some things in chapter 11. They try to say that it's more illustrative than it is literal. And there are, there are spiritualized sections of the book of Revelation. There are places where it is pictures, it's illustrations, and certainly in the Word of God that way. But I think it's important for us, church, that when you study the Bible, you take a literal approach. You take God's Word literally. And if it is an illustrative section, if it is a figurative section, that will become obvious as you study it. So I don't want to say that there's never a place where God's using pictures and types. That does exist, even in the book of Revelation. But tonight, as we study the book of Revelation, we're going to learn about a city. And it's a literal city. I believe it to be the city of Jerusalem. We're going to learn about time periods listed as 42 months or 1,260 days. And I believe those to be literal days, literal hours, literal months. There are two witnesses that we'll see in this passage. They're real people, real individuals. 
There's a real earthquake that takes place. 7,000 people really die. This is a literal passage of Scripture. Now, you remember back in John chapter 4, we had this portion. Look at chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So John is transported to heaven, and God begins to show him. So John has been experiencing, except chapters 4 and 5, they're in heaven, but chapters 6, 7, 8, where we've been, we're on earth. We're in the tribulation. John has had a bird's eye view looking down at what's going on or what's going to go on during the tribulation period. But when you got to chapter 10, John becomes interactive. John starts participating. Remember, he was told to take the book. And he goes to the, to the great angel there, and, and, and he, and, or the mighty angel, and he asks for the book, and, and he takes this, and he consumes it, and, and he does recognize it was sweet to the taste as honey, but it was bitter, uh, like bitter herbs in his, in his belly there. And that's going to continue here in chapter number 11, as John is told to measure the temple of God. Look what it says in verse number 1 of chapter 11. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without of the temple leave out and measure it not. And so here's this, I'm assuming the same mighty angel from chapter 10 gives him this reed like a rod. And it's a measuring instrument that they would use in, in Jewish culture. And they would use these things and it would, to, to measure. And, and, and as I considered this passage and what does this mean, uh, there are some similar passages to this. We won't look at them this evening, but you can write these verses down in Zechariah chapter 2. Verse 1 and 2, there's a man that is sent there to measure with a reed that Old Testament or that second temple of the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, there's a man that is, that is again, given this read and he's measured. And by the way, those are two prophetical books that are part of those puzzle pieces to this whole end time scenario. And so they, there are significant passages for us. But there's also a future time of this. In Revelation chapter 21, verse number 15, uh, uh, there's a reed and a man that is measuring that future heavenly temple. And so uh, when I was looking at this, I said, well, what is the meaning to this? And here's what I think I've discovered, that, uh, that many believe that the measuring of this is signifying the ownership of this. This is like them claiming or, or, or stating that this belongs to someone. And what's being pointed out is that the ownership of this temple and the area around it, at this time of what we're studying here, is back in Jewish control. Now right now, that's not the case, is it? The Temple Mount today, there's a portion of that that has has another structure on it right now. The Dome of the Rock. And it's a Muslim mosque that is located there. And, and we believe that there's going to be a new, at this time, a temple there. It's there. 
And, it, and it's going to be there. And we think, how is that going to happen? Now, by the way, can you imagine when that does take place, what that's going to produce in this world? Can you imagine the anger and the fury over those events as somehow this, this Muslim mosque that is currently on that site is somehow removed and a, 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 a Jewish temple goes up and the, the beast and the, the, the Antichrist there, he's going to establish that and get that going there and, and, and that's going to take place. And by the way, if you, if you ever want to get into an internet rabbit hole, you start studying that stuff or start looking what's out there and, uh, boy, hearing about supplies that are already there and animals that are already potentially there, it is showing us that potentially this is not very far away. And so John measures this because it belongs to, the, to these Jewish people. And so he was given this task. But then we get to verse number 3 and down through verse number 12, and we're introduced to these two witnesses. And we're given an overview of what their ministry has looked like and what it will look like and what I believe to be the first half of the tribulation period. Now I've always, I don't know, maybe I heard at some point in my Bible college days in one of my classes, but I've always assumed that the, that the, that the, uh, the two witnesses ministered uh, up through the midway point of the tribulation period. And, um, uh, but, but I've come to find out that there are some folks that think they minister in the last part, the, the last half of the, of the tribulation period. And I've been discuss, discussed that a little bit with uh, Brother Sammy. Brother Sammy has been a good help with me. He's made quite a bit of study on, uh, on the end times as well. And he came up with three or four thoughts that I thought were very supportive of the idea that they served during that first half of the tribulation period. First of all, it's presented in a fashion of, again, in that systematic way, you've got these order of events uh, uh, of, of all these things taking place, the, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and then as we get along farther into the end of the tribulation period, you see these things, but in the middle of this, we're presented with the two witnesses. They're introduced to us uh, before the end of the tribulation and so we see them introduced to us during this first half. Their powers of these witnesses and the impact that they have would have really little effect at the conclusion or the second half of the tribulation where the farther we get into this tribulation period, the less we see repenting and turning back to God. In fact, we might not see anybody repenting and turning back to God at the end of this tribulation period. And that's not the case even here in chapter number 11. We see there at the, at the end of that, uh, at the end of the earthquake, that there was a remnant that was affrighted and gave glory to God, recognized who God is. Another thought was that the world would be able to see, it says here in chapter number 11, the death of these two witnesses. Uh, look again at the text here with me, verse number 8. They've been put to death. They've been killed by the, by the beast out of the bottomless pit. It says, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, which are all, where also our Lord was crucified. 
And they of the people and the kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. Now you see how it mentions the people and kindreds and tongues and nations? It's talking about a worldwide view. People from all over the world are going to see the dead bodies of these two witnesses. Now in John's day, that would be hard for him to truly imagine, wouldn't it? But right now, that's not hard for us to imagine, isn't it? If something happened in Jerusalem right now, we could pull it up in an instant, couldn't we? And see in real time what's going on all around the world. Several years ago, back when I was pastoring in Columbus, we decided one Sunday evening we were going to Zoom call one of our missionaries and have a little conversation with one of our missionaries and learn how we could pray for him and so forth. And so it was a live call And um, uh, our congregation there at that time was a small little congregation, primarily of senior citizens. And I remember that this one uh, man well into his 80s was sitting there that night, and and, and he's like, what is, he he talked real loud uh, during, he wasn't, he was trying to whisper, but it was much louder than a whisper. And he was talking to the person, who who is this? What's going, and they're, they're whispering back to him, it's our missionary in Hungary. Hungry? He's hungry. And I said, no, no. And, and, and they finally said, he's over in Hungary, over in the other part of the world. He says, wait a minute. That, we're talking to somebody in Hungary right now. And it was like it, it, this, this very elderly man, it completely blew his mind that we were having this conversation. And we could do that right now and see what's going on. There was the infrastructure still. There was still a, a, the capabilities of this. But do you realize the farther we get into the tribulation period, the more decimated this earth gets, the more destroyed it gets. And it's very likely by the, by the end of the tribulation, we're back in the prehistoric days. There's, there's very little uh, luxuries left. There's very little, everything is going to be destroyed. And so we see that this is still happening. And so uh, there's just some thoughts on the fact that these, these two witnesses most likely served during that first half of the tribulation period. Now, the big question about these two witnesses is often this. Who are they? How many of you ever heard about who these guys may be? Imagine I, we could come up with some ideas this evening. Um, I, I've heard of two thoughts primarily, and I lean to one of them. Uh, but I learned about a new one that I thought was quite interesting. I'll share all three of them with you, and, uh, and none of them could be right. It could be just two individuals that we don't even know about. They're not named, and they're going to show up on the scene, and, that's, and God's going to use them. But look at chapter 11, verse number 4 again. It says, these are the two olive trees. This is talking about the, about the two witnesses. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Now, how many of you have a Bible tonight that has a, a column reference there? and has a, a cross-reference of verses. In my Bible, I have a little letter next to the two olive trees. And I have a little letter next to the two candlesticks. And I go over to my column reference, and that takes me back to the book of Zechariah. Chapter number 4, verse number 2. 
excuse me, verse number 3 and verse 11 and verse 14 in reference to the olive trees. And then to chapter 4, verse number 2 in reference to the candlestick. So that's a, it's a reference back to Zechariah's vision. Now for that reason, some people believe that these two individuals are two characters from the Old Testament named Joshua and Zerubbabel. Now Joshua, not the Joshua that we've been studying on Sunday mornings that wrote the book of Joshua, that, that was the leader of the nation of Israel, but there was another Joshua later on in the Old Testament. He was a high priest. He was a priest that was serving during the time of captivity and when they were released to go back to their homeland. And so he was a spiritual leader. And you see about him there in several of those Old Testament books, including the book of Zechariah. And then there was a guy named Zerubbabel. Now Zerubbabel was a man that was in the, the, the line of the kings, but he was born and lived in a time of captivity, and he never got to serve as a king. But when they brought him back, they let him serve as the governor or the leader of that area. And so you had a political leader and you had a spiritual leader that led the nation of Israel back were instrumental in the time of rebuilding that temple, and they're referred to as olive trees and candlesticks. And for that reason, some believe that these are the two guys that will come back as the two witnesses. Not heard that one before. That's the first time I heard that as I was studying on it, and I thought it was certainly intriguing and interesting. Now, how many of you have ever heard this one before? That they're Enoch and Elijah. Ever hear those two names? The reason we hear Enoch and Elijah is because both of those men, they didn't experience death. Remember in the book of Genesis chapter number 5, Enoch is in there, a list of, uh, of a genealogy there. Starts with Adam. That's that section of scripture that Adam uh, lived so many years and, and he begat sons and daughters and he lived some other years. And this is when they were living like 800 years and such. You know, it was a long time living. But, but at the end of the, li the, the, the description of Adam, what does it say? And he what? He died. And then it goes to Seth, and it talks about he had children, and, and he lived again, and he begat sons and daughters, and he lived, and, and then it says, and he died. And it's going to go through different characters, all the way down through Noah. But up there somewhere in the middle of that, there's a section here about a man named Enoch. And it goes on to describe that Enoch was different than everybody else. And that Enoch walked with God. And then one part of the day says that he walked with God and he was no more. Because why? God took him. God, God, God removed him from this place and took him. And so he never experienced death. Elijah's the same way. Not in the same fashion, but he never experienced death. There, I think it's in 2 uh, Kings chapter number 2. He, he is with uh, Elisha, and he's getting ready to pass off the scene, and, and a, a, a fiery chariot comes down, and a whirlwind takes him up out of here, and Elisha saw that, and because he saw his departure, he was able to have the, uh, a, the a double dose of Elijah's power upon him. But again, Elijah did not experience death, and for that reason, some people believe that Enoch and Elijah will come back and will be these two witnesses. 
Now, the third category, the third possibility is the one that I lean towards. And I'll give you my reasons for that this evening of who are these two witnesses. And I believe that it's a good possibility that it is Moses and Elijah. And the reason I believe that is because of the similarities of the powers that we see described here in chapter 11 and that we saw in the life and ministry of these individuals. For instance, in chapter 11 of Revelation, verse number 6, these, it's referring to the two witnesses, have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. And by the way, how many days did they reign? Or did they, did they, did they serve in their prophecy? 1,260, 42 months, three and a half years. We could go back and we could learn what about Eli, uh, excuse me, Elijah in chapter number 17 and 18 of 1 Kings. That he held off the rain. God used him to hold back the rain. And that's that whole passage of scripture there in chapter number 18 with King Ahab. And Ahab says, you're the guy that's caused me all these problems and everything. And they have this great battle in the battle of Mount Carmel there with the prophets of Baal. And they have that similar power. Look at chapter 11 again, verse number 6. The la- the, the, pick up where we left off. It says, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Well, that seems very Moses-like, doesn't it? In Exodus chapter number 7, that was one of the first plagues that, that uh, it may have been the first plague that Moses and Aaron instituted upon the people of Egypt, turning the Nile River and all the waters of the Nile into blood. And God gave them power to bring plagues upon the earth in Exodus and gave these two witnesses the same powers to institute plagues as often as they would during this time. And as I said, perhaps it's just two guys we don't know about yet, and they're going to be the two witnesses that God uses. But we have these two witnesses here. Let's mention quickly here their, their task and power of these two witnesses. In chapter 11, verse number 3, he says, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy. So they have a, 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 an ability and a command to foretell and foretell the word of God. They are to speak under inspiration and proclaim God's message. So they have a message of delivering God's message. Thus saith the Lord. Not only do they have this message of prophecy, but look at what else they have. Look at chapter 11, verse 5. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. How many of you would like to have that power maybe just once in your life? You can only use it once. Choose wisely. (laughs) But wouldn't that, I mean, think about this. And you're like, oh, that has to be figurative. I think it's literal. I think it's the real deal. These were fire-breathing preachers. And when somebody came after them, they, they breathed out fire and they killed them in that fashion. Probably good we've not been given that power, isn't it? There wouldn't be many of us left if we had, all had that power. We'd get sick of each other and say, yeah, he's done today. And then as I mentioned, they have the power of producing these plagues much like the Egyptian plagues. What about their death? These men... 
Well, we see in chapter 11, verse number 7, the beast of the bottomless pit comes out, makes war with them, and he does kill them. There's a war between them, and after three and a half years of them preaching, uh, bringing plagues, all these things, they die. And do you see what happens in verses 8 through 10? We don't have time to read them. I'm ending with my time here. But in verses 8 through 10, there's a party, a worldwide party, over the death of these two people. They don't bury them. They leave their bodies out there as a... As a, as a picture, as a memorial, it's going to be broadcast all over the world. Uh, CNN News is going to broadcast it, or whatever the great news broadcast of the time are, at that time are. They're going to broadcast that, these two witnesses that have tormented us. That's their words. Now, isn't that something? That when you preach the truth, some people look at that as you're bringing torment. By the way, there's some things that we're going to preach the truth that the world wants to ban us from now. Keep us from. Hates us for it. Can't just be in a disagreement. No, they hate us. They want to shut us up. We just had on our prayer list tonight to pray for uh, 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 life first. They're under attack because they're offering help to women and, and because someone doesn't agree with that, they're, they're trying to, uh, to attack them and to, to hurt them. and all. We, ha- we live in that type of a world and it's the type of world that these guys are going to be in and when they die, the world's going to, they're going to send gifts to each other. I mean, it's going to be like a new Christmas season. Let's, let's sell it. It's a new holiday. All because of the death of these two men. Well, Thank the Lord, it's a short-lived death. Because we have the resurrection and the rapture of these individuals. They're dead for three and one-half days. And then the giver and taker of life, God, brings them back to life. In chapter 11, verse number 11, the spirit of life from God entered into them. Isn't that a, that's just a cool passage of scripture there, isn't it? The spirit of life from God entered into them. We could probably talk about a lot of things there, but did you notice also that when that happened, great fear fell upon all them that saw them? You could imagine, right? They've been celebrating. They've been sending gifts. They've been been high-fiving each other. This has been a great three and a half days. These great tormentors are, uh uh-oh. They're alive, but God doesn't leave them there, and he raptures them out of there in verse number 12, or at the end of verse number, uh, excuse me, at the end of verse number 12, he says, and, and they ascended up to heaven in the cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Now, at the end of this, there's an aftermath, and there's an earthquake, 7,000 are killed. And then it's interesting here that there's, there's a remnant that are affrighted and they gave glory to the God of heaven. And so once again, we see God using difficulties. And by the way, all this torment, all this wrath, all of this, all of this judgment upon the earth is for one purpose, to get people to turn to God. Now today, the goodness of God is primarily what he's using 
He, he's showing the goodness of God, and, he's, and he wants people to turn to him. But in this day, primarily it's going to be the wrath and the judgment of God for that purpose for people to turn to him. And here we have a small remnant that does turn and gave glory to God. Well, as we were introduced in chapter number 8 to the three woes, chapter 8, verse 13, it says here in verse 14 of chapter 11, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. It's been some time since we read about the angels and their trumpets, but verse 15 says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So we'll pick up there next week as we continue to work our way through this passage of Scripture. We're going to get into, again, some real interesting things here as we conclude chapter 11 and get into chapter number 12. Some very interesting things for sure. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the time and your word this evening. Help us to have clear understanding, Lord, and to learn from you what your, what your plans are in these days ahead. And Lord, I pray, God, if there's somebody here this evening that does not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, that you would have used these, these events, these circumstances to work in their heart to show them their need for a Savior and that you're willing to save them if they'll call on you. Lord, help us that are believers to take what we've heard tonight to be greater witnesses and tell others about you. Now, Lord, I pray for safety and protection as we go home tonight. And then, Father, we pray that you bring us back at the next appointed time. We'll give you thanks for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good evening.